There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. All right, happy Friday. We've got some Bucks news as well as your mailbag questions all answered 100% correctly. And now we'll get started. Cade Otten, the Bucks tight end, the rookie from the University of Washington, their fourth-round pick. You know, he missed all of OTAs. He missed the, the mini camps, the rookie mini camp, the mandatory mini camp because he was covering from ankle surgery that he had last November. He has been cleared to begin participating in training camp when they uh, have their first workout July 27th. And so that's great news for the Bucks. Of course, you know, they just signed a new tight end in Kyle Rudolph. Here's the not-so-great news, but I think it's expected, and it hasn't been confirmed, but this is the way it's headed. Chris Godwin, while you know, a couple weeks ago Adam Schefter had that report that said they were uh, very hopeful that he would be ready to play by the September 11th opener at Dallas. Well, it, it turns out that might still be true. However, um, it appears that he will start the training camp anyway on July 27th on the physically unable to perform list. They're going to be very careful. Um, even though they say that Godwin's progress has been very good, they're very encouraged by it, it's coming along exactly uh, as best as they could hope. But let's be honest, there's no reason for him to take the field on July 27th uh, until he's you know absolutely cleared for football activities. And even going back a couple weeks ago, when Adam Schefter uh, reported them being you know hopeful, I say wishful, that he could play against the Dallas Cowboys, he did say then that he didn't expect that Godwin will play in any preseason games. So if they're going to be cautious with him in games, then obviously you know there's no rush for him to get on the field the first day. And, and you've seen over the last couple of days those teams that have begun training camp, and there's a, a good number of them, about, about eight or nine at this point, or ten. Um, they, you know, it's at that point when players report and you begin practicing where you have to list those that are on the PUP list, such as the Saints, Michael Thomas, the wide receiver, from New Orleans. So I expect that. Um, we haven't heard uh, anything, and, and Godwin's status will be updated by the Bucks next week. We haven't heard anything about Levante David. I think there's a possibility he might be in that, that same category as well. He has the Liz Frank injury, the foot injury that uh, he says limited him to about 60% in that NFC divisional playoff game against the Rams. So you, you could have a number of players with, with this or that, but None, obviously, uh, more serious than Godwin. And look, it's been 200 and I want to say 14 days. That's it. 214 days since since he uh, sustained that injury, which was a you know a devastating hit um, against the Saints right on his right knee. And you know, so that's that's not too many months ago. And and I, I just think that, like I said, while they're pleased with his progress. Um, you, you can see that they they will probably put him on, on the PUP list. Hey, before we get to some of our mailback questions here, it's just a reminder, you know, it's, it's so hot out there. Your electric bill's going up and up. I got a way for you to save it. May Electric Solar is a family-owned and operated company. They've been the solar experts in selling those systems for 12 years. And it's a field where really there's a lot of fly-by-nut companies. But May Electric Solar is committed to you. For the long term, they guarantee their workmanship with a 30 year labor and services warranty. Plus, with every installation, you get $750 worth of surge protection for all your appliances. That's the main difference right there. So, if you visit their Hudson showroom, May Electric can display all of its products. It's, it conducts on site testing so you can see exactly what they're going to install. Plus, they don't use subcontractors, so you know exactly who's going to do the job. So, start saving today. Call the solar energy experts, May Electric Solar, at 727-819-2862 to schedule a free estimate. You can lower your electric bill all year long and preserve your quality of life and preserve all your appliances. So call May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. All right, we got a bunch of mailbag questions today, some pretty good ones. Let's get started. All right, we'll start with the Bucks since we started there, and Matt had tweeted. So with the loss of key players like Rob Gronkowski and Ali Marpet, 
plus the uncertainty of the return of Chris Godwin and the lack of depth at receiver and tight end, it would seem this might be the least talented Bucks team Tom Brady has had. How well will Brady do with this current roster? Well, that's a great point. Um, you know, and, and, and the other part of that that we don't talk about is some of the players who are returning are, you know, three years older, right? Mike Evans, for example, who has been a model of consistency, um, someone who set an NFL record with eight straight 1,000-yard seasons, uh, you know, he, he's up in age now in terms, of, in terms of receiver. So you worry about durability. You worry about guys getting older, even some of the ones they re-sign, like, uh, you know, like, like Jensen, the center, and uh, Ryan Jensen, and some of those guys are not young players. So Levante David, we mentioned earlier, on, on maybe starting the, the season on PUP. So you've got a number of veteran players. And, and, yes, all these guys were there when they won the Super Bowl, and that's why Brady wanted them back, and that's why he announced he was ending his retirement when he did before really on the eve of the start of free agency. Um, I would say this. I don't, their tight end position has definitely been weakened. You don't lose – I don't even think it's arguably, but you don't lose the best tight end in the history of the game uh, in a Rob Gronkowski who, even when he played here after having retired for a season, still was among the best tight ends in the league. And, and somebody that, you know, let's face it, him and Brady had the best connection in football over, over the, uh, the length of his career, particularly, you know, in the red zone with all the touchdowns and things that he threw. So even though Kyle Rudolph is going to come in here, and I think he's a smart player, he's got size, uh, he, he's that quintessential, you know, uh, wide tight end, the inline tight end that can do it all, and, and he'll help them. Um, but, but that position's been weakened because you're, you're, you're counting on him. You're counting on Cam Brait, who's you know, now 31 years old and still predominantly a, a receiving tight end. You're counting on rookies like Otten, who missed the entire offseason and co keefed So, you know, and, and, and losing Marpet was, was a bite, obviously, and Alex Kappa. And so you need Aaron Stinney to step up or Luke Godeke, the rookie that, that they drafted to win that left guard spot. Um, you know, so they're not – I think it's fair to say that, that this is not as talented a team. You don't have an Antonio Brown on this roster. You know, is Russell Gage gonna gonna be that guy? Well, Russell Gage is a very maybe beyond very good receiver, and he might have to play the wide receiver two position if Chris Godwin's not healthy. You have a beat up Chris Godwin. Look, even if he's able to get on the field September 11th, is he the same player? You know, I mean, there's the physical, and then there's the mental side of things. You know, what what's his attention when? Someone's going low on him, and he's going across the middle to make a catch. Um, how does he cut on his routes? Like, so there's a lot of question marks about that. And, and having said all of it, um, you know, potentially they could be better on defense. I was going to say the healthy secondary. Yeah, I mean, last and year that secondary experience. was decimated. Oh, throughout the and season. they fortified it a little bit with mm-hmm. Logan Ryan. Yeah, and Keanu, Keanu Neal. Neal. I mean, they've added pieces in that secondary, and your hope mm-hmm. is is that they're going to be healthy this year. I mean, you know, the Bucks last season, every team gets injuries. It's when you get a, t- a bunch of injuries at the same position that you're really – You can't overcome it. That, yeah, yeah you, there's just not enough depth in the NFL or on your roster to overcome mm-hmm. multiple injuries at the same position. Right. The Bucks secondary was – I mean, that was a mass unit all year. Mm-hmm. And, and Todd Bowles had to change away a lot of – they ran the defense throughout the year. Because he didn't have cover guys. He didn't have his best players back there. Right. The idea was just they gave up a lot of yards, and the idea was just keep the ball in front of us mm-hmm. a lot of times. Yeah. And and so, you know, I think you're going to see Todd Bowles be able to be a little more aggressive with the defense mm-hmm. this year and, and get back and, to and where they might it was be more athletic. Mm-hmm. They might be more athletic, too. I mean, you know, Keem Hicks still has some juice. Yeah. But, then, but then, you know, you, you draft Logan Hall, yeah. right? who's a freakish type athlete that I'm really excited to see play. I really think he's going to be one of these surprising rookies, maybe not to the Bucks, but I think he's going to have a big impact. Uh, you know, is Joe Tryon Shawinka, uh, you know, now that he's going to be, uh, you know, stable at that outside linebacker spot that used to be owned by JPP, um, you know, what kind of a difference will he make playing 75% of the, of, of the snaps now? 
you know, so so there's pieces on defense plus just the continuity of it. And like you said, hopefully you don't get a run. Um, I, I think they're more athletic. I think they're faster for the most part. And let's be honest, Devin White did not have the kind of year that Devin White expected to have. And I think he's going to be motivated by that. He's getting closer to a contract year. Um, the fifth-year options are even picked up. So well, he there's had, a lot he of had to factors. play a lot more coverage last year. He did. He did because, because of, like you just mentioned. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. He had – had to cover tight ends. They were they were you know down with safeties and corners. I think they're I think picking up you know experienced players like you know it's one thing to to lose a starter right if Mike Edwards gets suspended or goes down. But who are you coming in with you know behind him when you've got Logan Ryan when you've got Keanu Neal? I mean those are guys that have played a lot of football and the best teams have experience behind their front line guys. And I think I think you know. I think they're going to play key roles regardless because I think that Bowles is creative. And the final thing is, you're right. Let's just say, let's agree. This is not as talented of a team that Tom Brady won a Super Bowl with. It's not. Let's just let's just say it's not. Tom Brady has won Super Bowls with a lot of different teams. You know, he was the constant in New England when he had a lot of different running backs, a lot of different defensive players, and it was him and Bill Belichick and sometimes – you know, Josh McDaniels, but sometimes Bill O'Brien. In other words, you've got the greatest quarterback of all time. And whether he has to do it by running the ball 40 times or by throwing it 50 times, you have to believe that, you know, Tom Brady will find a way. And I think that him and Bowles are are sort of comfortable in their approach. And, you know, I don't think that Tom Brady's going to lead the league in passing. And I don't think he wants to lead the league in passing attempts. Um, Charlie Weiss argued with me about that on, on uh, NFL radio one day. He says Tom wants to throw it every down, and, yeah, maybe he does. But at 45, uh, I think he also recognizes that, you know, the object, and he's always known this, is to win the game. And they have struggled against the Saints. They have struggled against the Rams. Uh, they had some bad days against the Kansas City Chiefs before they beat them in the Super Bowl, largely because their offensive line, Kansas City's, was decimated. So I really believe that that Brady recognizes what the deficiencies are as a team, and I think him and Bowles are willing to play to the strengths of their team. And for that reason, it might not be as pretty. It might not be as dynamic. It might not be, you know, win or lose, we booze, baby, you know. It's not uh, going to be as much no risk it, no biscuit. Right. That There you go. That's what I was searching for. And so that, that – but that doesn't mean – that they don't win games. And I think, you know, with this division, uh, the Saints are still their albatross. There's no question. But when has Tom Brady not won 10, 12, and in a 17-game season, 13 games? It's still there. It's still possible. And, you know, Brady's whole spin is obviously to get back unfinished business, get me back in those playoffs, and let's let's do this and and do it better this time. And, and I think they will. I mean, I... You know, they overcame so much last year with the injuries, and they were, you know, I've watched that, rewatched that Rams game from beginning to end. Um, it was stunning that they were even in it. I think the Rams almost willfully gave it away. Uh, the defense did create some turnovers, but they also got some turnovers uh, courtesy of the Rams. And if not for just was, was it absurd miscommunication against that team twice in the same year, uh, with Cooper Cup, and for that matter, one tackle by Sean Murphy Bunting, who had a who had a very bad day tackling that day. Um, if he gets Cooper Cup down on a crossing route before the bomb, they don't have time. You know, they hit that deep ball and spiked it with four seconds left. I assure you, if Cooper Cup is tackled the way he should have been, and and Murphy Bunting slipped and goes down and bounds with no timeouts, they're probably going to overtime or definitely going to overtime. So even with all those mistakes and all those breakdowns, they were that close. And are you going to tell me that they wouldn't have beaten San Francisco at home in an NFC championship game? I think they would have. And I think they would have gone to the Super Bowl and I would give them a pretty good shot to beat Joe Burrow and the Bengals. So, you know, Brady knows all this. He, he, he knows what he has, but what he has is still pretty damn good. I mean, I think most people that I've seen polled look at the rosters in the NFL and they say, yeah, Bucks are like in the top four. In terms of talent. All right, Michael tweeted us. He said, "Would the Buccaneers have any interest in bringing back Carl Nassib?" 
Not at this time. I, I don't think you ever say never uh, because that's one of those positions. In this defense, he would be an outside linebacker. The reason why I don't think it makes sense now is because they're so bullish, and rightfully so, on Anthony Nelson. They've got some depth at the outside linebacker position, you know. And, I, you know, it, obviously anything can change that. Uh, we're a long way from September 11th and beyond because we know, you know, who expected Sean Murphy Bunning to dislocate an elbow in week one last year. So injuries happen and happen almost any position. Um, I haven't heard his name, you know, brought up of late. That doesn't mean anything because I'm not around those guys right now. But um, I, I would suspect that uh, unless there's an injury, uh, they're they're pretty happy with with what they have with Gill with different guys that they have at the outside linebacker position. Especially, I think people don't discount what Nelson did in a very short sample size in terms of uh, play percentage and things like that. The guy had five five sacks, I think five five and a half sacks. He was extremely productive, played the run well, um, you know, but. Anything again, Shaq Barrett is such a big piece. No JPP, you know, how is Joe Tryon going to do? Uh, Shawinka, so anything can change. I, I think he'll get picked up by somebody, but I think it might take an injury, or sometimes guys get to camp and look at what they have on, on the actual grass and say, you know, we're not, we're not good here. So at this point, I, I, I don't suspect they're, they're looking to pick him up. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The Rays are back uh, in Kansas City starting tonight, and I know we got some Rays questions, but before that, they signed a new outfielder. Yeah, Roman Quinn, who's a 29-year-old switch hitter, uh, played parts of six seasons for the Phillies. Uh, they signed him. He's a, mostly a right-handed hitting option for them. They say he's a great speed, good def- really good defensive player, a very good base runner. Now, I don't know if that just means fast around the bases or actually a good base runner because this team could use that. Um, <laughs> yeah, define good base runner. <laughs> On this club, oof. Uh, and they hope he'll hit a little bit. And, you know, this is really their first chance to have a right-handed center fielder since Manuel Margot went down. Right. Because uh, he was always the right-handed option if you needed that in center field. Uh, Kevin Kiermaier, Brett Phillips, both left-handed, so. Uh, someone that they say they've liked for a while, Peter Bendix, the general manager for the Rays. Eric Neander's now like the president of baseball operations or whatever. Uh, But Peter Bendix, uh, talking to Mark Topkin about that, says they really like him. And another quote that Peter had today, and Mark Topkin asked him about, you know, trade deadlines coming up in a couple weeks. I think what, I think it's August 2nd, I think it's the trade deadline this year. Uh, So trade deadline's coming up. Juan Soto, rumored to possibly be available. After he turned down a 15-year, $440 million contract, I know you turned down those offers all the time to the Times, but I did. Um, you know, but not to the Times from outside the oh. Times, so I could stay at the. Oh, Times. okay, okay. That's I yeah. misunderstood that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, yeah. But That's Juan Soto, who's got who's still uh, under, I think, two years left on his contract, but the Nationals could look to deal him now. They're not really close to winning, get peak value, but asked about it, and you never think the Rays would be considered. And Bendix said, quote, we're always going to be exploring every player that might be available. And I think we've built up enough depth in our farm system that I think there's a possibility for just about any player who's out there. So I think we're going to be in the middle of a lot of these discussions. Wow. That's that's almost unfairly hopeful. I mean, should we expect a Juan Soto sighting in Tampa Bay? That would be incredible. I don't know about Juan Soto, but could uh, Wilson Contreras, the catcher of the Cubs, be a possibility wouldn't mind that either um wouldn't mind that either you normally don't think of the rays being in on those guys at the trade deadline right but if they think they got enough in their farm system and they think they can make a run this year i mean you're getting brendan lau back who you got back the two games before the break uh you hope randy rosarina can hit hit up heat up you've got some pitchers coming back with fairbanks and patino and that eventually wander will be back yeah wander will come back in september hopefully 
if everything goes well. So, um, you know, if they think there's a shot at it, it'd be interesting if they, you know, if the Rays make a trade like that, wow, look out. Well, I mean, it would not only is he, you know, one of the great best young players in, in baseball, but what does that do for your clubhouse? I've always I've always said this that and I think most people in you know, in the Rays organization understand what they're trying to do and how they're trying to do it and, and should really be, you know, pretty honored to be in the organization that, that has been as successful as they've been doing it the way they do it. Um, but what a signal that would be to your clubhouse if you were able to, to pull off something like that, you know, uh, and, 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 you know, just, just what he would bring in terms of production, but also letting the league know, letting, letting your team know that, you know what, we're, you know, now is the time. And really that's how you kind of have to approach it every year. I think, I mean, think about, you know, I was thinking about like the number of injuries they've had and how they managed to keep their heads well above water. And right now I think they would have what the number one playoff seed, uh, in the American League, yeah, they're the number one wild card. Uh, the Yankees yeah. actually lost a doubleheader on Thursday. So Did the Ra- they really? The Rays are only twelve games away. To so the Astros, who are the second best team in the American League. Oh well, that's yeah, okay. But, but the Rays still, are twelve been, games been back while. of the Yankees. They're the top wild card spot. They are a half game ahead of the Mariners for the number one wild card spot. Yeah, I'll, listen, I'll concede the division right now um, because and anything can happen because we still haven't seen Stanton and or Judge get hurt, which seems to be an annual occurrence, but. I'll I'll go ahead and concede it to the Yankees, but if if you tell me that the Rays are gonna you know make the playoffs and and have a, a, a you know the number one wild card or something like that, um, why why wouldn't they think they could do some damage and get back to the World Series? I mean, mm-hmm. their pitching is certainly worthy of that, and and pitching is really the key uh, uh, to baseball, but especially in the playoffs. And yeah, if you were going to get a Juan Soto or get another big bat uh, to help that lineup, and and you were fortunate enough to have some players come back, I mean, you know, are they worried about the Boston Red Sox? They've played the Yankees before. This is not, mm-hmm. you know, this is not a team they can't beat. In fact, they pitched so well against them. What they lose? They got they got swept in a series that they gave up eight runs, eight runs, and in I three think games like there was several of them were unearned too. I mean, it yeah, I mean, I mean, they they are not. Uh, incapable of shutting down that lineup and doing it yeah. for several nights. So, you know, in a three-game series or a five-game series, anything can happen. And I, you know, I, I'd love to see them go. And they should feel that way because they're resilient and they've they've put themselves in it despite all these injuries. And what is it like twenty guys now on the I that have gone on the IL or more? Mm-hmm. Um, it'd be great. I'd love to see it. I don't know if it's going to happen, but. Look, we didn't think that they. What was it in the off season? They were right there with the Dodgers for Freeman, right? Yeah, I mean they were made a bid and apparently were close, or you know he was interested in the ballpark. Yeah, so you know one interesting thing about baseball, and we're you know at the the All Star break here, so there's six divisions in baseball, so you actually have six teams leading division. Do you realize there's only five teams that are within ten, with less than ten games from the division leader? Only five teams. Mm-hmm. 19 wow. teams are 10 games or more back from the division leaders. Jeez. I don't know if that's good or – I mean, I guess with the extra wild card, it's good for teams. But, I mean, the Yankees have a 12-game lead. The Twins uh, have a two- and a three-game lead over Cleveland and the White Sox. That division's close. Houston's got a 10-game lead over Seattle. The Mets have a two-and-a-half-game lead over the Braves, eight-and-a-half over the Phillies. Milwaukee's just a half game ahead of St. Louis – and the Dodgers are 10 games ahead of San Diego. So we could pretty much map out who the playoff can. And there's three divisions huh? that have teams within less than 10 games out. Jeez. At the All-Star break. Well, there's some there's some really good teams this Not year. Not a lot of parity. No. I mean, if you if I just told you, okay, give me three teams, one of them is going to win the American League. Well, Yankees and Astros are your top two, and then pick your third. Right. Do you I, like the I would, Rays? Do you like the Blue Jays? Do you like the Mariners? I would say Yankees, Astros, Rays. And that's who I think is going to be standing. I think it's going to be the Yankees and the Astros. Um, the, National, the National, National League, League, it's the Mets, it's the Dodgers. And then, the, Bra- the Braves are the next best team. I think the Braves are making the move, yeah. yeah. I mean, they started really slow, but now they're 18 games above five hundred. 
And and that's another place. Where did I see there was another there's another player that was uh, sort of linked up with the oh Shohei Atani. I saw a uh, a report that uh, you know that if the Angels decided to move him, that Atlanta might be a, a landing spot. Uh, Atlanta's know. a possible landing spot for Aaron Judge in the offseason if, if he's a free. That agent. too. That too. Yeah. I mean, Atlanta could get on anybody they want. They can, yeah. They have the resources, and I think they have the farm system for it too. Right. Uh, it's it's going to be it's going to be a wild finish, and it's hard for these teams that are still, you know, I think I think with the extra wild card, there, there's, you know, you get to the trading deadline, and everybody feels like they still kind of are in it, you know. Mm-hmm. So. All right, we'll get to the mailbag here, and Jason uh, basically had a uh, from our last mailbag a comment. He says, fans on cash and Wander Franco, guys said it. Money has guys that had a 6 ERA in AAA, and they're 10 games over. First wild card. There's been stretches where they couldn't hit a lick. Managing is more than on-field decisions. Are Tampa Bay fans really this dumb? If you remember last week on the mailbag, we had someone questioning Kevin Cash as a manager, and then was it, was it uh, uh, a mistake to sign Wander Franco long-term? Yeah, I, you know, I think sometimes we listen to Twitter just because it's easy to read and, and we don't consider, like, it takes no intelligence to get a Twitter account and to write whatever you want. And you know, we we tend to pull out the, the ones that, you know, and that's what they want, right? They want to be heard. And then you go and you click on it and the guy's got no followers and, you know, he's, list, he's listening to three people. Um, but there has been, for whatever reason, and I think it's, you know, I think when you, you know, you're the victim of your own success sometimes. Like when you're in the playoffs and you win 100 games and you get to a World Series and lose, you know, everybody's just like, put a ring on it or I don't want to hear it. You know, they, they, they become numb to, oh, yeah, so they won the division or, oh, yeah, so they, they're back in the playoffs or, oh, you know, lift the trophy or I'm not with you. But this – Follow me now. What Kevin Cash has done already with the Rays probably exceeds what Joe Madden did here. I mean, think about that. I mean, Joe Madden's one of the greatest managers of all time, borderline mm-hmm. Hall of Famer, I would suppose. But Cash has done that and and is on the precipice of doing more. And I think I think what he has to do. And he knows, and the thing is, you know, Cash would never admit this, but like, you know, he has this sort of wry way of reminding people. But yeah, we can sit there and match up with that Yankee lineup every day. Sure, why not? We've got who do we got? We got Kiermaier and who else we got? Uh, you know, like you go down the line and you start thinking, Yandy Diaz. Yeah, we got Yandy. Good average and, hitter, but yeah, but but you know, like. They got this guy, we got that guy. It, it, there's no comparison, right? Like he knows that player for player, salary for salary, right down the line, there's a reason why their payroll's $300 million or whatever it is. Um, these are the best players available, and they're all on the same team. And you don't have that, and you never will. Uh, but somehow you make it work, and you get guys to buy in. You get guys to come over here and buy into – Hey, you may pitch the first inning or the ninth. We really don't know, and you can't worry about it. Just be ready. Um, you know, you may have a starter that's you know throwing a one hitter, and it gets to the you know four and two thirds innings, and they yank the guy, and he doesn't even get the win. And it's like, well, we're going with the matchups. You know, like there's so much that Kevin Cash has to do to to manage, and you know, it's not just about when to take the picture out, picture out, you know, and they have all the analytics. I think sometimes people think that, well, the Rays, it doesn't matter who manages them because the front office, you know, it's all on the printout. You just follow the computer sheet for every matchup, et cetera. And there's a lot of that. Um, but it's over 162 games trying to get the 25 guys in the clubhouse to, to get along and pull the rope the same way. It's just not that easy, man. I mean, I love my kids and my wife, but believe me, we have disagreements about eight hours a day, you know, and imagine these guys, you know, grinding through a major league season with all the pressures and the individual failures. Cause baseball is a failure sport. 
I think Kevin Cash does it as well as anybody. He does it with humor. He's consistent. Um, you're not going to catch him off guard. Like he, he, he just, he's always got his players backs, he relies on his coaching staff. He does everything the right way. And well, I, I can't, I think there's a reason you don't win the manager of the year two times in a row unless your peers recognize and others how good you are at your job. You know, they just, I always say this, they just don't give those trophies away, you know? Um, so yeah, I don't, I never got the Kevin Cash thing. And if you're going to dump on Wander, please, you know, <laughs> like, really? I mean, come on. All right, Ghost Narfa tweeted us. He says, Rick, do you see the Rays adding a bat at the deadline? If yes, would the name Evan Longoria be on that list? The answer is yes, but no. I don't think it would be Longoria. Although, I, I couldn't categorically rule it out. I don't know what scenario that would, you know, because one, if you did, if you made that move, I, I think you almost have to play him as a right-handed DH or a third quite a bit because I don't think you'd do it. It would be cool from this standpoint that he potentially could end his career here. You could have the Evan Longoria welcome back night, which mm-hmm. would be electric. Um, and knowing Evan, he'd probably hit a home run or two. Um, so I, I guess I can't completely rule it out. I think there's a couple things at play here. One, the Giants are a half game out of a wild card spot. So are right. they going to sell? Right. Two, Longoria's under contract next year for $13 million. Yeah, you're not taking that he's on. Not a free because agent. He's, no, he's got – if it was his last year, it would be perfect. Yeah. So I, I think I think both those things uh, have – you know, he just – he was hurt. He just came back, I believe, uh, from yeah. injury. So uh, I He's don't, been hurt a lot. I don't know if the Giants are going to be sellers. Um, yeah. I, you know, I'd love to see. And at this point, is he, I mean, who, you know, like I said, I don't know how that works from a lineup standpoint. You do have some injuries still you're trying to account for now Mm -hmm. with, uh, you know, with some of the guys that are out, but yeah, I would say they could add a bat. I don't think it's going to be Longoria. I mean, it's basically uh, how much of an upgrade is Longoria over uh, Yandy Diaz? In your mind, he's not at this point in his career. To me, and at this point in his career, he's not. Those are the right. Those would be maybe, both right-handed hitting third basemen. So yeah, yeah. No, I don't. I don't think he is. All right, John had tweeted us. Says the Rays trade deadline outfield or starting pitcher is more urgent need. Well, they just made the deal for an outfielder, or signed an outfielder. Well, they signed one. Well, I don't know if he's you know yeah. a huge upgrade. It's a right-handed option. In center field. You know what I wonder yeah. about that deal, though, though that that signing is is this an acknowledgement that Josh Lowe can't play center field? Um, and without you know without having Margot or without having, and maybe it's they'd prefer him to be in right. You know, had he had before the All Star break, he had some really tough mm-hmm. games out there. Yeah. Now, he hadn't been out there long enough because Rosarena right. would scare you no matter who the center fielder is because he's always coming over. And I mean, coming into the year, you knew that you had Kiermaier, Phillips, and Margot that were all going to play center. Josh Lowe, was, the plan was never to play him in center this year. Right. You know, but so he's Phillips, playing it Phillips' now. bat, which has failed him. Mm-hmm. And Margot and Kiermaier are both hurt. And, and Margot and Kiermaier are both hurt is has forced him into that. Now you got to play low every day and hope he gets it, hot. And he, he's swinging a hot bat, so you got to find a place for him. And maybe he's more comfortable in right or left field. I mean, although Randy's got left, so right field. Yeah. And maybe that'll help him at the plate too. Oh, I think so. I, listen, we talked about it. If if you're if you're so focused keenly on your defense, it's sometimes it can carry over and vice versa. I mean, that's just the way the game is. Tommy tweeted us. He says. Any chance we see Tyler Glass now come back in September or maybe the playoffs as an opener since he will not be built up to go six to seven innings? What's the timetable? Are they saying he could be ready by then? He's throwing now, um, you know, based on the timeline of when he got hurt last year and had the Tommy John surgery. You're estimating he'd be back maybe September, maybe October. Um, you know, it, it, there's a timeline for it, but it, not everybody's exactly the same. This is an interesting one. Is it a given? Is it a given that he's back next year? In other words, so here could it, he be part of a trade in, well, before the deadline? Next year is his last arbitration eligible year. He's making six million this year. He's not going to pitch this year, so presumably he's going to make the same salary next year. They generally don't give you a raise because you didn't play. Because you didn't play, right? 
So next year's your last year you control Tyler Glass now. It's a pretty interesting trade piece. If you want to go in on a Juan Soto, Wilson Contreras, or you know anybody else. The team's going to get Tyler Glass now next year for $6 million, and then he's a free agent, so it's, it's probably going to be a team that could afford to sign him long-term. But he's young. Do the Rays think they can hold him past next year? Do they think he would sign here? It's an interesting trade piece. Or, or you could just hold on to him and, and hope he comes back to help you this season and pitch for you next season, and then you risk losing him in free agency next year. It'll be an interesting decision that the team needs to make. And, and granted, maybe they've already had conversations about contracts with them. We don't know, of course. I think the biggest thing would be what's the projection in, in terms of what you get when he comes back. In other words, uh, when's he going to be healthy? If, I mean, if Tyler Glasnow can go out there and throw the way Tyler Glasnow threw pre-surgery and you could use him as a starter or an opener or even out of the bullpen – that's a hell of a piece. You generally don't come back from Tommy John surgery and throw that way immediately with the same velocity, right? Right. I mean, and and you know, it, in your your breaking pitches, you know, you've gone over a year without throwing those. Man, you lose a feel for that. Mm-hmm. You know, you're generally not the same pitcher immediately. It doesn't mean you're not good. It doesn't mean you couldn't help this team. And you don't have time to build up the inning, so you're right. really not. You're not going to be a starter at that point. You're going to be an opener or even a. A high One leverage situation, but it's, yeah. you know, the seventh inning and we need a couple outs. We need a hard thrower. Yeah. I mean, you know, he could be a he could be a valuable addition late in the season. Right. Or he could be a trade deadline piece here. Right. You know, if you're the Nationals, and, and you've got money as the Nationals, but if Juan Soto doesn't want to sign here, what are you looking to get back? You're going to want prospects, but you're also going to want some players you know who can play. There's got to be a lot of interest in him. Glass? No, I would think there is. Yeah. But, I mean, it's not a move for this year. So, you know, if if the Yankees are looking to make a deal or – that's probably a bad one because I don't know if the Rays would trade, trade the division, Yankees. But yeah. the Dodgers or, you know, mm-hmm. name the – you know, the, the Braves are looking for a pitcher. I mean, this isn't a move for this year. No, it's a tomorrow. I think you, the Nationals are the perfect example, right? Mm-hmm. Or a team that's – the Cubs. That are building. The Cubs, right. You know, yeah. I mean, you know, find those teams that could afford to sign him long term. They're trying to build back up. Yeah. Assuming that he doesn't want to, Glassell doesn't want to stay here and is working with the Rays on a contract. We don't know that, of course. Right. I mean, he's always talked highly of this area and loving this team. So, it, well, if he stays, the great thing about the, you know, for the Rays, if he stays, they have the opportunity to see what he has and mm-hmm. how he's coming back and, mm-hmm. you know, then make their decision after the arbitration year. Yep. Yeah, and they they have him for next year if they don't do anything. So right, you're guaranteed that next year. So it, that could be an interesting one. Yeah, he, he's a name. I mean, he's somebody he's somebody you have to. You would not be surprised if that name popped up on somebody's list. Yeah. Craig in Vegas tweeted us. He says, "If the trop was never built, would the Rays be playing in Tampa? We do know the original site was Old Al Lopez Field, where the Bucks play now." St. Pete did jump the gun. Would it have affected also the Bolts being played at the Thunderdome? Just a hypothetical. Well, I lived it, um, and they said at the time that St. Petersburg was stupid for doing it. Um, they, you know, That building sat without a tenant for a while, and that's how the Lightning were among the first at the old, what was then called the Thunderdome. And so, you know, it, it really became... Listen... I mean, I think Tampa Bay was an attractive expansion city. Um, but if you remember, they went to Miami first. Um, and I, I, there was this battle between Tampa and St. Pete like it was nobody's business. Like there were mortal, ri- mortal rivals. Um, and there was a lot of talk about, you know, it was a stadium race within, within the Bay Area. Uh, but Tampa couldn't put it together as quickly as St. Pete did. And and a lot of politicians lost their elections as a result. And uh, St. Petersburg built a lot of stadiums in Chicago, in Seattle, in San Francisco, uh, you know, in Minnesota perhaps. But Tampa had its shot. You know, 
Tampa could have built a stadium. Uh, they wanted a team first, and St. Pete went the other way and said, if you build it, they will come. And they eventually did, and that's how the Rays ended up in the trop. Um, I, I, I don't know what would have happened because – I remember like how disappointing everybody was when Miami got the Marlins before and Tampa was basically turned down the first round of expansion, you know, like there were some dark days and you, you were grateful that the lightning went over there and played a season, you know, after leaving the fairgrounds. I mean, we always said this, like who thought you would get the NHL hockey an NHL hockey team in Tampa Bay, you know, before they would get a baseball team. Right, it's the old snowballs chance, and you know where. So, I, I, I just feel like Tampa, Tampa missed the opportunity. They really did. And the thing is, they had the property. Like I've never understood. What didn't make sense to me is that you roll back the clock and you go, okay, so what happened then? So they used this big parcel of land across the street from what is now Raymond James Stadium to build the Yankees a big spring training stadium, you know, and that's not the same size as a major league stadium, but there, there's enough real estate over there where that seems like an easy location, right? Um, you have that in Kansas city, you have that in other areas where the ballparks, football and baseball are relatively, you know, maybe not across the street, but, uh, you know, within a couple punts away. And it always made sense that that that's what would have happened. And it didn't. And Tampa rolled out, you know, more of an effort to, to keep the Yankees and placate them than they did back when they had an opportunity to, you know, to maybe be that city that did what St. Petersburg did. So ultimately it's a loser's lament. We don't know. Um, I just feel like they had their chance and they, and they, and they didn't do it. They didn't put their money where their mouth was. And like I said, a lot of politicians lost their jobs. Um, the, the trop is what it is. Uh, it's it's been you know bemoaned almost from its construction, but you know they've had the raise and they attract and they they were granted a, a team in no no small part because they had a place to play. Um, so I don't know. It, it's a great hypothetical. You know, I I wish that this time, however, you know, with one more bite of the apple, and even even St. Petersburg's mayor and the politicians over there saying, listen. We're not going to get into we, – we'd love to have them, yes. We'd love to try to work something out, absolutely. But the biggest goal is for us is, is for the Rays to stay in Tampa Bay. You know, let them decide where they want to be. Um, and if they go to Hillsboro, you don't have you don't have the sort of, you know, rivalry between Tampa and St. Pete politicians like, no, we want the team. No, we want the team. Like – it's just somebody build these people a ballpark, you know, and that's why St. Pete allowed them to look in Hillsborough and the Ebor site and all that, but we still don't see it happening, right? There was some weird, I don't know if there's any validity to this, but some weird reports on the radio like something is imminent until it's not, right? Like that just might be radio shtick, but do you know what I'm talking about? Like on DAE and well, some other places? I didn't hear that, back. but it brings us to our next mailbag question and Les yeah. tweeted. Said so you said the best deal gets done in the eleventh hour. When will that be for the Ray Stadium? Seems like they need to have a site picked in the next year to have shovel in the ground by twenty twenty four to have the stadium done by twenty eight. Seems like it's getting late early. I would agree with that. I, I, I think you that. have to know by spring. The I mean, end, by this spring. I, I think if you're going to be playing in there by twenty eight now, there's other things. You could that always play. sign an, an a lease extension. You could for a year. you could extend with St. Pete, and that's maybe part of the conversations and and why, you know, the mayor at St. Pete is now reopening the the bidding for you know the redevelopment of the trop site, and maybe it's not 2028 that they're out of there. Maybe it's 29 or 30. I mean, you know, there's mm-hmm. always that possibility, and if the sides are all working together, but if you're going to be there by 28, let's say. If you don't it have a site years. picked by 23. Yeah. Because it's probably going to take you two years to plan the stadium. Well. Drawings and, and everything that goes into that. At least three. It, ta- it takes about three years to build. To build, right. So that means you've got to start by early 25. I think it probably takes you a year and a half, two years of planning it. Once you know where you're going. If and, we're still and, having and figuring this conversation, out the financing in that too. Uh, yeah, can you fathom us having a conversation about this two years from now? 
I mean, well, if it's two years from now, who knows where they're going? Right. If we don't have a, you don't know by, you know, July 21st or 22nd of 2024, you don't know where you're going. It may not be Tampa Bay. I will say, by if we don't know by this time next year, I would agree with you. After the All-Star break, it's, it means that something's gone terribly wrong and they're probably looking elsewhere. And even baseball probably. But listen, they've had this discussion in Oakland for how long now? Mm-hmm. And it looks for all the world like there's no solution there, that the A's will probably move someplace. Um, not so much with Tampa. And And I think the tenor is different. You know, that's the other thing about this is that I think there's a willingness and especially um, almost maybe a you know ob- an obvious preference for major league baseball like don't leave that area like it's the fastest growing area in the United States why in God's name would major league baseball want to lose this market I I've always uh, said I mean Tampa Bay television market size is number 12 I believe Yeah and if you add in Orlando where the Rays do well in the ratings Yeah you're now you're talking top 10 size market but growing why, and growing. Why are you going to leave that for Nashville, which is like I don't Charlotte. know twenty five thirty? Charlotte's in that same range. San Antonio, yeah. Las Vegas, Portland, yeah. Vegas, Vegas is a little different. The money there, the casinos, the the travel yeah. tour. I mean, Vegas can be a little different in that regard. Uh, you know. Plus, at the end of the day, baseball and Rob Manfred said it many times. They want to expand. You start moving. Yeah, you can't take those expansion cities away. You're you're losing now. They need stadiums in Oakland and Tampa. So if it doesn't work, they'll move. But they'd prefer to stay and get two billion dollars worth of expansion fees from a city, right? Instead of moving a team to Nashville for free, and it's not for free, but baseball is not going to make money off of it. Why wouldn't you rather have them pay a billion and a half or two billion in expansion fees? Yeah, that's smart. No, That's like you said, if you can't get a stadium done in Oakland, then you're going to have to move. But they have the Giants in that market already. So it's not like baseball's leaving the market. You're just losing and one there's, team. And there's a sense, too, that like the economics in, are changing in Tampa Bay. I mean, you're starting to see a lot of tech firms come in here. Mm-hmm. Um, the world has changed with people you know, working remotely. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, look, it's no secret. I mean, we, we've hired editors that live in Virginia Beach in New Orleans, right? Uh, they're not required to be in an office every day. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you can live anywhere, and there's a reason why, again, the, you know, the most, you know, the, the fastest growing area in the country at one point when, in terms of, you know, home buyers and people moving in here over, you know, in the last two years has been this very city. So I think, you know, I think they see the economics changing, the tenor of it is changing. Um, there's an agreement almost, and I know, you know, Benick had this idea of Montreal and, and Tampa Bay, and I think he was trying to find a solution. You mean St- Sternberg, not Benick, or Sternberg, not Benick. Yeah, well, wrong owner, if only, right? <laughs> uh, Stu, St- <laughs> Stu Sternberg. Yeah, that'd be a different conversation. Stu Sternberg, uh, you know, trying to go the the, the two city route. And it was it was innovative and sort of you know creative as a race can be baseball said no no not interested nope no thanks so you know given all of that it it it, i just it just feels like the mood has changed you know like even the rays i think recognize look we're better off here you know we need to find we need to make this work financially we need to we need to get our stadium and find a way to do this and and both sides of the bay are kind of in agreement that Mm -hmm. they just want it for the for the region and look st pete if they don't have a stadium there they know what they're sitting on in terms of real estate, in terms of development, what they can do with that. St. Pete has changed so dramatically, so has Tampa. Mm-hmm. Um, and so has even north of Tampa, you know, towards the the fairgrounds and, 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 you know, the casinos and all of that. So I just feel like it's going to get done. You know, my preference is to put it 20 minutes away from where I live, but um, I I don't think – I don't think driving across that bridge has been the issue. I just think you just need, you know, a a, a better ballpark and and some idea that they're going to be here for a while. Um, but yeah, it, it makes more sense to put it in Hillsborough County. But you can't you can't you know mandate that these politicians put some kind of referendum on there to pay for it. I mean, this has always been the biggest problem for any any stadium situation. So. 
But if we're if we're having this discussion a year from now, that could be that could be problematic for sure. Ellis tweeted us. He said, "Your thoughts on Rob Manfred claiming that minor league baseball players earn a living wage, and an actual minor league player goes on Twitter to claim he made fifteen thousand dollars last year." Yikes! Manfred's wrong. They don't make what I think is considered a living wage. I'm sure it's gotten better since you know my former teammates were playing minor league baseball. Well, now the team much. has to put the players up. Well, and that's the biggest change that helps. And, and to that point, and that but that just happened, right? Yeah, Am I right? yeah. I think uh, either last year or this year. Yes. So now think about this, because I I had a a teammate of mine from Arkansas State, Jerome Stone. His his uh, brother Jeff Stone was a great player for the Phillies, and maybe stole a lot of bases and things like that. Um, outfielder, but Jerome was playing in the Phillies organization, and he was playing in Clearwater. Uh. And so we went to see him, and he and three other teammates were in, I think, a one-bedroom apartment off of Drew Street in Clearwater. And I don't know what they were paying at the time for it, but this is not irregular. These guys were cutting out coupons for half off a pizza in the newspaper back when people got newspapers and doing everything they can to just feed themselves, you know, um, and and piled into the most no frills off U.S. Highway 19 apartments you've ever seen, and that was that was the norm. That was what it's been until just now. You know, um, I've always said this: like, you know, my dad was a scout for the Reds, and people ask me like, "Why do you play pro ball?" Well, one, I wasn't good enough, but could I have gotten signed? you know, out of college and said, oh, yeah, man, give me a chance. I'll sign, just give me the minimum, minor league minimum, whatever. You know, at that time, I'd have been kicking around for about $600, $700, $800 a month. And I could buy you a lot more back in the in the 80s, um, but not a, not a whole lot more. And you're going to do that for one or two years, and you're going to end up getting released because they don't have any money invested in you because you weren't drafted. So... It's 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 a hard road, and and for all the money baseball has, and how do we know they have it? Look at the salaries they're paying. You know they wouldn't be paying them if they didn't have the money. And I would like I I, I think you know you shouldn't have to live below poverty wage uh, to play a professional sport, even in even at the minor league level. You know NFL has the best deal, right? And those kids are now getting paid with NILs by college but you know by people that support their college teams finally and it's taken a long time for that to happen um but you know i've always thought it was ridiculous how they how they kind of the lifestyle and the you know banging around in the bushes and the bus rides and all that of minor league baseball i just i never understood why they had to live like that until they made it to the show you know there should be a little higher standard of living if you're a professional athlete that your organization is investing in, then invest in them, you know, spread some of that money throughout your, your uh, entire organization, not just your major league club. All right. Justin had emailed us or actually tweeted us and we'll switch to college football real quick. He says, is there a chance the sec only pursues Miami and leaves Florida state behind? Don't see what the current Florida state program offers. That would be of interest to the sec. It's a great question, man. I'd like to say tradition, but that hasn't really led to any winning since Bobby Bowden mm-hmm. left, or, or actually Jimbo Fisher, I should say, won a national championship. But the Florida State's um, got a bigger alumni base, much bigger, bigger than Miami. Miami's a private school. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think the thing that Miami might have an edge in for whatever reason is just where it is. Mm-hmm. South Florida is loaded with talent. We know that. Um, by the same token, there's plenty of football players in the state that will go to Tallahassee or even go across the border and you're into Georgia. There's lots of players there too, or Alabama, et cetera. Um, from a brand standpoint, I don't know. I mean, the TV market's the one thing that they offer. It's the biggest thing. It's South, that South Florida TV market is bigger than anything Tallahassee's going to ever generate. So there's your difference to me. 
Yeah, we talked about that yesterday on the podcast, Rick. And and if you want to go back and listen to yesterday's show, which by the way, yeah. we got a lot of good comments on yesterday's show too. So um, please, I saw uh, that one. My good friend from uh, who was it? Uh, Ken. Uh, Ken. Ken tweeted. Barrett. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he, yeah, please. If you have comments about the show, what you like, what you don't, uh, things you heard, questions, please send them in anytime to us. So at Sports Day TV on Twitter, uh, you're at NFL Stroud. I'm at Steve Versnick. Or you can email Rick at rstroud at tampabay.com. There was a nice comment about it. We did a Jameis Winston uh, segment, and Mm -hmm. uh, I had referenced a Jerry Maguire uh, line that kind of described my feelings about Jameis. (laughs) So go back and listen to that if you would. We'll uh, end on this one today. Uh, The Tampa Bay 98ers tweeted, On a recent podcast, Rick let it slip that he is a passionate boys to men fan. Can we get a top ten playlist from Rick? From boys to men? No, just a top ten playlist, period. Not tonight you won't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'll, I'll tell you why I'm a boys to men fan. And, and I, I like their music, uh, you know, when when they, what, came onto the scene, what would it have been, the mm-hmm. 80s sometime? Uh, either late, late 80s, 80s or the 90s. 90s. I remember I saw them in 1994. Yeah. Headlining at Blossom Outdoor Venue in Cleveland, Ohio. And they listen when I say, uh, and they still they uh, I'll give you some references to what they do now. But they, to me, they're still they're still big. But when they were really rocking, mm-hmm. uh, they could draw some people now. Yes, I mean that was, you know, the the that was some. You talk about the days of music video and you know all that was going on. Um, they were outstanding, but. So I've actually gotten to know a few of those guys, so I'm kind of biased that way. But come on, man! Like some of those, some of those songs are like anthems now, right? Mm-hmm. And they just they just are, right? Uh, and you can't you can't help but know the words. You can't help but remember, you know, certain moments and what you were doing, and um, you know the harmonizing uh, is. Even to this day, those guys sound amazing. But when you hear like "End of the Road," right? Now that we've come, I'm not even going to try to do it justice. But "End of the Road" on bended knee, you know, it's so hard to say goodbye. Um, I'll make love to you. Are you kidding me? Um, there, there's so many great, great memorable hits that everybody knows the words to, and that's just and and. I'm telling you, today they sound as good as they did in the heyday. It's amazing how great those guys' voices are. Uh, and in fact, uh, I'm going to try to attend the Hall of Fame uh, weekend in Canton if I can get a couple of days off during training camp, which I haven't asked for. Um, because Bryant Young, who's a 49er, is going into the Hall of Fame, and he wanted you know, someone to play at his party because they have these elaborate you know, parties and they usually have guests and stuff and um they got they got boys to men to play in canton so yeah i've just kind of i don't know i've kind of been a boys to men guy i'll have to come up with a i'll come up with a playlist it'll probably surprise people maybe not but uh but i guess i surprise people with boys to men i don't know why um but i've, I've been around i've heard and i've seen them live a bunch of times now so and now and now i've actually gotten to know them a little bit which is cool all right, well, great mailbag questions and uh, maybe not so great answers, but they're all 100% correct or your money back. The Rays are back in action. They're in Kansas City to start their, I guess you would say, the second half, although we're well past the first half of the season numerically, but uh, that's where they're going to go. And it's uh, T-minus zero days and counting, or one day and counting, I guess. The rookies will report to the Bucks facility on Saturday. And then by Wednesday of next week, you have your first Bucks training camp practice, which is unbelievable. You're headed for a vacation, my friend. I am. I'm going to be off the next two weeks. So uh, Derek Sharp will be filling in once again, as he did last year for me. So yeah, uh, yeah, a little time off, a little recharge. Good for Get you. Get ready for football season and hockey seasons here before we know it, and baseball playoffs, and it just never stops here in Champa Bay. 
No, that's true. And uh, thanks to uh, thanks to you, you've arranged uh, Derek Sharp, who was our producer when we when we were at uh, DAU, me and Tom, and um, he'll be a big help. And we'll try to have some some guests and and keep the show going until you get back. Although we might have might some big guests we're working on, so we can't say anything we are yet, working but... on some guys. Yeah, we're going to have at least uh, one, maybe two. Fairly prominent Bucks players next week, I think, or the ne- within the next two weeks, and then um, I'm sure there's going to be plenty of news. Look, you know, when training camp goes, it goes, and we'll have updates about you know all the injuries and the guys are going to practice or not practice, and who knows, maybe the Bucks will make another signing or two. But um, yeah, football is here, and uh, college football is even closer uh, to being here. But um, yeah, we're only a few weeks away, not only from you know, really from them teeing it up for a preseason game. We've got games, um, I guess a couple of them on the road at Tennessee and at the Colts, and they play at home against the Miami Dolphins. They have joint practices at Tennessee. I'm going to be there for like five days. They have a joint practice with the Dolphins here in Tampa. So there will be a lot of, uh, lot of stuff going down. So keep it right here on Sports Day Tampa Bay, and we'll say thanks for listening. For Steve Furstink, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great weekend, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.